bringing European SaaS together was the initial premise for SaaS Talk. Even in its first year, we outgrew that proposition with attendees from over 30 countries, making it a global conference with a European heart. SaaS Talk will be returning to Dublin in October 2022, and our super early bird tickets are on sale now, saving you 400 euros. Grab yours by visiting sastock.com forward slash sastock dash 2022. The number of opportunities out there is just exploding. I call it now like the software is eating entrepreneurship kind of dynamic where almost every single entrepreneurial opportunity for a first time entrepreneur who's trying to get into it, they're all sort of software or software enabled. And this is unlocking just an unbelievably proliferation of incredibly niche opportunities that still add up to a really sizable business. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show, Tyler Tringas, who is the general partner at Calm Company Fund. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks, Alex. Excited to be here. Great to uh, great to have you on the podcast for the first time. I can't remember if we we spoke uh, before, but I do remember, or, or, and I hope I'm correct here, that I saw you speak uh, in 2016 in Paris. I want to say B two B rocks. Uh, yeah, that sounds talking, right. Yeah, yeah, and you were talking about like building a micro SaaS business, and it's kind of like, what is this? micro SaaS business that, you know, he speaks of. And uh, since then, uh, a lot of people have been building micro SaaS businesses and became uh, uh, quite a thing. But you're not mm. doing micro SaaS anymore? No, yeah. I mean, at the time, that that like that conference setup was pretty hilarious because it was a very, very like venture focused, you know, conference. I think I was in between a panel of a bunch of fund of funds and then, you know, people talking about how to raise your series C and up. And I'm like, Hey, I'm this guy, you know, like running this business with like five employees and I'm traveling around the world and running this micro SaaS. And here's why you should think it's interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not doing it anymore. Although you're right that it really has become something that I, I kind of like in tongue and cheek, I call it like the new American dream. Not that there's anything to do with American, just that it's like this idea of like the the sort of successful entrepreneurship that most people have in mind now is this idea of build like a small recurring revenue, profitable location independent kind of uh, SaaS business. Um, and yeah, a lot of people are interested in it. But um, I sold that business about three years ago um, and launched the Calm Company Fund. We actually launched as Earnest Capital, which some people might have heard. We rebranded fairly recently. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea there is to be the form of you know capital, community, mentorship, the whole works um, for folks trying to build these kinds of businesses that we have now dubbed Calm Companies. Why not? Um, why not do another SaaS company? What What was it about becoming an investor, like making that step to become an investor, that appealed to you? Yeah, I mean, I think there's um, there's a pretty common pattern that you see. I think where 
a lot of times before entrepreneurs really went for the swing for the fences idea, they had some sort of never worry about rent again kind of moment in their life. Maybe it's an exit or whatever. They worked in finance and they got some huge bonus for a couple of years, that sort of thing where they're like, yeah, I can pretty much like never really worry about basic finances. Um, and that's kind of what it was for me. It was like, I kind of, you know, I come from regular middle-class family, didn't really have like a safety net to fall back on, um, throughout most of my life. And so I always felt a little bit kind of, um, like a lot of this shoot for the moon, but maybe fail kind of stuff wasn't for me. Um, and then once I had, you know, one exit under my belt, um, I thought, you know, well, well, what is something that I could really do that would have the largest impact that maybe I personally can make. Um, and it felt like empowering, you know, what is currently, you know, dozens of, uh, of, of companies, but, you know, ultimately I think will be thousands, if not tens of thousands, um, felt like that kind of move. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, and before we go in, into Calm Company Fund, t tell us a little bit more about yourself uh, as a person, uh, you know, so we uh, before we started recording, uh, you mentioned that you're in Mexico. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe share some insights if you're if you're happy to as to uh, you know how uh, you've ended up in Mexico. But yeah, like who is Tyler Tringas? You know, as a person. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of all over the place, um, literally and figuratively, I guess. Um, so yeah, we're in Mexico City right now. Um, my wife is a diplomat, so we've traveled. Um, we, we spent two years in Brazil, and now we've we're done about a year and a half in Mexico City. Um, and it's sort of uh, who knows where the next location will be. Um, and so that's meant that I have really, for at least a decade, been building remote first asynchronous first, um, organizations, my last few companies, as well as, um, as well as the company fund are all completely distributed, uh, before everyone else had to do it <laughs> this year, uh, or last year. Um, so that's been kind of interesting to, to sort of see that evolution of a lot of folks having to, to sort of really quickly learn a lot of the things that, that we've been able to slowly build over time. And, um, and, and learn uh, at, at a little bit less of a, of a forced pace. Um, a little bit more about me. I mean, I, I, I guess I am not your prototypical uh, software entrepreneur before launching a software company. I didn't have a background in technology um, or computer science or anything like that. I was economics major, um, worked at a clean tech consulting startup right out of college uh, that got acquired by Bloomberg. So I got some really fun experience advising everything from like clean tech VCs to pension funds. Um, and then that was when I decided to jump into uh, startup world. Uh, I mean, this was over 10 years ago. So it was sort of like the lean startup had just come out. And that was like the playbook that everybody was was sort of working through. And I was hacking away, trying to learn Ruby on Rails while learning the Lean Startup and, and launching um, a clean tech startup. Uh, and that clean tech startup ended up failing, um, mostly because I kind of was under the the like standard view at the time, which is, hey, this thing involves software. It was uh, software for making it much easier to switch to rooftop solar, uh, which at the time was a very, very painful process with phone calls and people coming to your house and all that sort of stuff. We say, hey, we can build software for this. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, we need like maybe less than a million bucks to really get it off the ground. And it's software, so we should probably be pitching VCs, I guess, <laughs> was sort of <laughs> as far as we thought about it. Uh, and then ended up making a spreadsheet of like 400 uh, early stage investors, angels, and CVCs, 
pitched uh, nearly all of them um, unsuccessfully. So I spent about a year and a half of my life. The company ended up failing. We built the product. We launched it. We had like the proof of concept going, all that sort of stuff, but just got down the road of we needed to raise more money and, you know, the, the the full spectrum of of VCs and angels were just not investing in clean tech projects at the time. Um, that's changed now, which is kind of great. Um, but I really learned like firsthand about this concept that like there is a big gap between businesses that are a good idea and ones that are fundable um, by the venture ecosystem. Um, and so that was like really instructive for me. And then pivoted to, to bootstrapping my next business without anybody's permission, sold it, and then said, hey, let's see if we can build something um, in that gap. So, What do you prefer, like being a, a SaaS founder or a VC? What's like, what, like, what's life like, you know, as, as a VC now? You know, do you miss the, I guess, that, you know, being a founder of a, a micro SaaS business? I think this is definitely the best job I've ever had. It's super fun. Um, I'm somebody who gets you know, bored fairly easily. And so kind of constantly having to dive into new markets and new businesses and new challenges um, across the spectrum of companies pitching us to to our growing portfolio, I think is really, really, uh, it's really fun for me. Um, one nice thing is that, you know, the com- company fund is, it's not quite the same as going from a high growth venture back startup to becoming a, a, a VC worth life is just like, it's just completely shifting from, you know, sixth gear to first uh, in terms of, you know, the the level of difficulty and energy and all that that's being required. We're kind of also founding a startup in the sense that we are starting from a very small base and operating in what I think is a very, very huge market. The, the you know, number of opportunities for, for niche software businesses is just exploding exponentially. And so we're in that mindset still, like we're growing fast. We, we raised an equity round, which is very un, untraditional for, um, for funds to do. We actually did it on uh, by a crowdfunding campaign, but um, so we're kind of still like, I'm kind of still in founder mode in, in some respects, although my day-to-day has changed a bit. How big can you give any like data in terms of the fund? Like <laughs> how much you've raised, um, how much deployed, you know, how many companies, uh, you know, you invested in? Yeah. So we've been live investing for about two and a half years. We've, we're just, um, passed over 50 companies we've invested in. So it's like two to three a month, um, pace. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're right now we're investing about $10 million a year. Um, so, which is, it sounds kind of small when you think about, you know, hundred million dollar seed funds. Um, but actually, with exception to some of the recent huge announcements, um, ten million per year per GP uh, per general partner, which I'm the only one of at Comfund, it's actually pretty normal. Um, we've just decided to structure our fund as more of a rolling fund uh, kind of approach because we mostly raise money from software entrepreneurs themselves, and they like that more. Good, good stuff. And why did you? change the name from earnest capital uh, uh to calm fund well I, I guess how did you come up with earnest capital what did that mean and then why the move to calm company fund or calm fund yeah the original <clears throat> brand was very very you know from my bootstrapper roots right i didn't hire a design firm i didn't uh you know hire a branding agency i just kind of sat down bashed out some ideas I liked the idea of earnest uh, as just as a as a moniker in terms of like you know being kind of honest and forthright. Um, we're really focused on 
a lot of just like radical transparency and over communicating is really our style. So I've probably written 300,000 words of, you know, different things about our strategy and structure and incentives and everything uh, on our website. So, so Ernest felt like a, a good fit um, and it was available uh, really is as far as I got with it. Um, over time, we kind of realized that um, we needed to have a, we need to kind of plant the flag of something that people would rally around that made sense that said, Hey, we're, we're not necessarily bootstrappers because um, you know, we're raising some money and we're working with investors, but we're also not kind of on the hyper growth path. And what do we stand for? We stand for kind of you know, maintaining sustainability of the company, right? So we want to optimize for the likelihood that the company is around in 25 years. We want to maximize retention. We want to be focused on profits so that we're not reliant on outside capital. These kinds of things were something that we wanted to try to create a, an encapsulation of these values. And Ernest was not it, right? People were never going to say, oh, I'm an Ernest company, even though they hadn't raised money from us, right? Um, so we kind of just kind of resident, like, checked in with the community and said, what of these things resonates with you? And far and away, Calm was the, um, it was the thing that resonated. It was the thing that said, hey, this is sort of resolute focus. It's not unambitious, but it is about balance. It is about, you know, um, staying cool under pressure, that sort of stuff uh, that really resonated with a lot of the founders. So we said, cool, we're going to be the Calm Company Fund and Calm Companies are going to be the kinds of companies that we fund that, uh, you know, that we stand for, even if we don't fund them, right? We want to attract them and, and um, you know, find those folks who are picking up the vibe, basically. So am I, am I correct in that you had some involvement or you, uh, you, you know, in terms of the creation of uh, what is known as a, a seal? Uh, mm-hmm. And um, uh, yeah, like, basically, can you kind of explain how that kind of came about? What uh, what it is, why people would use it, and you know, maybe share um, you know your, your insights and knowledge around that. Yeah, so I think um, the seal is it stands for a shared earnings agreement, which is a early stage financing instrument that we created. It's a sort of substitute or comparable to a safe or a convertible note or those kinds of tools that uh, folks will be familiar with. Um, I think first, it's important to understand a little bit of the strategy because it explains why the seal exists and the strategy that we have um, it, a lot of people call it portfolio construction. This is like the basic, what are you trying to do when you have a fund and you're trying to make these investments and you want them to add up to a return that is you know, acceptable or, or exciting for your, for your investors, your limited partners. And the portfolio construction that usually is deployed in the venture model is what's called the power law. It's like, you know, most of your investments are going to fail, but one or two of them are going to be, you know, 100x outcomes, and that's going to generate almost all of your returns. We are operating from a structure that is a lot more like kind of later stage stuff, right? Where you basically are just trying to get a lot more singles, doubles, and triples than you are a whole bunch of strikeouts and one or two grand slams. Uh, to use the baseball analogy that I don't love, but uh, is is the most easily understandable. So if you're trying to do that, you're trying to invest in these companies that have a really high chance of raising one round of capital and then becoming sustainably profitable, right? Where they're doing 10 million ARR, they're powered under their own steam, they might raise some more capital, but they might not because they don't need it. Um, and they might also get to 20 million ARR and be throwing off you know, four or 5 million a year in profit. 
if I invest in that company with a convertible note or a safe, that's a big problem, right? Because they haven't raised another round of capital. I haven't converted into equity. And also I don't have any any profit share access, right? They're, the founders are taking this huge dividends and we're getting nothing as investors. And so that's not good for me. And it also ends up not, not being good for founders because what happens is not that investors don't just say, oh, well, right? What they ask for is terms and board seats and stuff that will block the ability for you to take millions of dollars in profits without sharing with your investors. So we don't want to do any of that sort of stuff. We just want to be aligned with that kind of outcome. And that's what the SEAL does. The, it, it's basically a convertible instrument, much like a safe, but it has a profit share component baked into it um, that at any point, if the company becomes substantially profitable, we start receiving uh, a share of those profits. And there's an incentive to do so because it actually kind of buys back a bit of the founder's equity as they make those profit share payments. And the goal there is is to sort of pull those kinds of outcomes uh, into the realm of like, we're all excited about this outcome and, and there's more incentive alignment, if that makes sense. Now, what I understand uh, is that, you, you know, calm companies is, is, uh, is uh, a term that you've then also kind of like, you know, come about uh, to describe, um, if, it's, if I'm correct, sort of like bootstrapping companies or an alternative to bootstrapping companies. So what's, what's wrong with the word bootstrapping obviously that's quite a familiar term um you know do you think uh yeah i guess kind of what's wrong with that and you know do you think that we will start to hear you know more people calling them you know calm companies rather than bootstrapping companies uh, over time well the cool thing is we already are seeing folks start to call them calm companies um one of our investors was at a, a conference or a meetup recently and he said you know he was he he owns a calm company and he was describing his company to these different random people that are in tech but not affiliated with us uh and he said three separate times as he was describing his company uh somebody said hey you know there's a word for that it's called a calm company you should just say that and i was like all right <laughs> we're doing good on the branding front um but uh you know i mean bootstrapping is is great i i uh have probably used the term a million times in my life um you know not exaggerating um because i spent you know, five years of my life basically blogging about building a bootstrap SaaS business. Um, the, I think the challenge is, first of all, it's very, very tied up in the idea of not working with outside investors. Um, and I think there's two problems with that. The first is that along the way, the idea of bootstrapping has come to stand for a lot of those values that I was just describing about a calm company, right? It's, it's, it's about, you know, balanced growth versus maximizing growth at the expense of other things. And, um, you know, trying to optimize for the long-term sustainability of the company and that sort of stuff. So there were all these values that were a part of bootstrapping that I loved, but they were sort of linked behind this idea of we have literally no outside investors on the cap table, which I just felt like was a lot less important than the other, parts of the term. And so we wanted to sort of elevate the values versus the, the, you know, cap table. And the other challenge I think is that a lot of folks talk about bootstrapping, uh, including myself in, in some respects, there's elements, I think of sort of, I mean, privilege is kind of a loaded word, but a lot of people really market themselves as bootstrappers. And the reality is that 
Although they didn't have any outside professional investors on the cap table, they had some other advantages. A lot of times you see like a spouse that has a really high paying job that is able to, you know, cover their their salary for years while they work on it, or they have an inheritance, you know, windfall from their family, or they just have a safety net from from family wealth that they always know that, you know, they can they can burn it down to zero, um, you know, and have a, a fallback plan. Um, and that doesn't get accounted for. Uh, with the concept of bootstrapping. So, I mean, I'm a fan of bootstrapping. I don't think we need to get rid of the word. I don't think it's bad, um, but I think we need to flip it around and try to find something that elevates the um, that elevates the values that I think make bootstrapping great and something to aspire to. Um, and that's what we're trying to do with Calm Companies. Um, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. Very good. So what's the, what's the best piece of advice or, or lesson that you've learned since starting uh, Calm Company Fund? Um, I mean, the probably the best lesson that we've learned is just that the number of opportunities out there is just exploding. I call it now like the software is eating entrepreneurship kind of dynamic where almost every single entrepreneurial opportunity for a, let's just say, not necessarily young, but a first-time entrepreneur who's trying to get into it, um, they're all sort of software or software-enabled. Um, and and this is unlocking just an unbelievably, like just a proliferation of incredibly niche opportunities that still add up to a really sizable business. When you talk about like, very specific parts of the stack of obscure industries that you never thought of. And you can take a slice of that and build a software company on top of it. And it can be a company that does $20 million a year in revenue. Um, that's just become fascinating to me. And one thing I am, find myself continuously encouraging kind of aspiring entrepreneurs to do is to just really like get out there and meet people and go to random industry conferences or nowadays go to industry forums or things like that, you know, and just really explore like what are the things out there in the economy that have not yet been touched by the software or the, or the SaaS re revolution, really, you know, they're, they're the, the as yet, you know, uh, revolutionized aspects uh, of the economy. Um, and that's been the biggest lesson is that there's just, it's just a complete ocean of, uh, of interesting opportunities for, for founders to go and, and find in almost every rock you kind of kick over um, in in the economy, you find some amazing you know opportunity for a software business, which is uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, what what book are you currently reading, or what is your favorite business book of all time? So, a book that I am currently rereading um, is called The Art of Gathering, uh, which I think is really interesting. I, I first read it about two years ago, and it's a book about intentionally designing uh, experiences where humans gather. And I sort of have this feeling that, uh, you know, conferences and in real life meetups are starting to come back, but COVID has given us this moment to kind of really start from a blank canvas about, okay, why are we doing this stuff? Why are we doing conferences? Why are we doing, um, you know, meetups? Like, why do we get humans together with a sort of vaguely professional, uh, you know, linkage uh, in the same room? And it's really interesting because I feel like, um, I, I, I feel like it's, it's fascinating to just think that through from first principles. The book was the first time I'd ever really contemplated that because they, the, the book covers everything from like dinner parties to, to vast conferences. 
Um, and you think about dinner party, it's like, oh, I don't know, like get my friends together and we eat some food, right? Like, who cares? You know, why, why, why should I think hard about this? But this book actually really goes into some good detail about how to, how to actually make that a, a valuable experience for, for everyone and how to sort of take control of the situation and how to, how to design it with intention. Um, and I, I generally really like that pattern of sort of taking stuff that maybe we're all doing more or less from templates that have existed and then really rethinking them intentionally from the, okay, what are we actually trying to do here perspective? Um, and I, we're, we're throwing a conference in a month here in Mexico City, and so it's been on my mind. I'm rereading it. So, um, Well, uh, I've never heard of it, but it definitely sounds like a book that, that I should read. Um, so yeah. well, that's a good, uh, a good tip, certainly for me and uh, hopefully for, for the listeners as well. Um, so you mentioned you're throwing a conference there um, in Mexico. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. Who should be, who's attending, who should be attending? Um, and how, how's that going and like throwing a conference, I guess, kind of in COVID times, you know, as, as such, you know, what are the challenges around that? Yeah. So it's called the Founder Summit. Um, it's going to be in late October. So just about a month away, uh, October 24th in Mexico City. Um, and the genesis of it is the, so we actually have never thrown one. Uh, we were supposed to throw the very first one on March 12th, 2020. Uh, so we ended up, if you can recall your COVID time, yeah. that was like the inflection point week. So we ended up having to postpone it like four days before the conference. It was you know, not great. Um, yeah. so we've been, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you're very familiar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, so we've been sort of waiting to, to, you know, rebook it. We've had a lot of people who, you know, basically everybody held onto their ticket and were excited to come whenever we could do it. Um, and the, the idea is basically to just create a format for founders to form connections with each other and hopefully go away with friends. So we're trying to um, do something that we think is uh, additive to the roster of possible events that people can go to. And I think there are... Um, Maybe not enough, but there are definitely some fantastic ones that are very focused around the content and speakers, and we're never going to be good at that. It's not really my thing. Um, so we said, what else could be much like the Art of Gathering? Like, what what can we do here that's actually sort of um, intentional? And it was, we can create an experience that has this kind of vibe of when you're traveling. Like, you know, when you like first were backpacking and you met yeah. someone and, and you'd know them for like a day, but they felt like a great friend because of all the new experiences you'd shared together. We thought maybe we could recreate some elements of that among entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurship is kind of lonely. It's fantastic to have like a core group of friends that you could call on when times are tough. Uh, and so that's been the the big focus is to do that. And um, we kind of made it invite only. So it's like 99% um, entrepreneurs as well. Um, so we've, we've intentionally, although I love investors, I love, you know, service providers, I love lawyers, brokers, the whole works. Um, we just said, hey, we're just going to throw a smaller event. Um, and just invite founders. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been kind of crazy uh, trying to plan it uh, at the time. I mean, we rebooked it in the summer when everything looked like it was all going to be amazing before the kind of Delta variant thing that threw things obviously into an area of uncertainty, but it really feels like we're kind of coming out the other side. Um, the situation in Mexico is actually pretty good. Um, well, 
the situation in Mexico writ large is not great, um, but the situation in the interior core of Mexico City is fantastic. Uh, really, really high like vaccination rates and cases are declining to very, very low levels and all this sort of stuff. So we feel pretty comfortable. We're like requiring vaccinations and testing people the day of, you know, trying to do absolutely everything we can. Um, but I just went to my first conference about three weeks ago for the first time in two years. Uh, and it was just phenomenal, like the the palpable joy of everyone yep. being in a room together with other people having stimulating conversations was just amazing. So I'm, I think people are really excited to, to get back to that. Yeah, it was definitely good, good luck with that. Sounds like a great event. And I, I can uh, second that in terms of, I mean, literally last night, we held our first event for 20 months. Um, and we had uh, yeah over a, a hundred SaaS founders and execs uh, and, and a few VCs come to SaaS local London last night. Uh, and I, I actually just po- before I came uh, or we started speaking, uh, I posted on Instagram some of the photos, and I also used the word palpable uh, yeah. uh, uh, as, as well. But it was a real magic in the air, and just like people just had smiles on their faces, you know, the whole time, just because people were just so happy to be back and have that opportunity. And for many. Uh, you know, it was their first, you know, opportunity to be in an event, you know, for such a long time. Uh, and you just see that that power of in-person, the, the ability to connect and meet people. And, you, you know, it, 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 it was great. So hopefully long may that, uh, you know, continue and we'll see, um, you know, uh, well, many more, uh, you know, in-person <laughs> events, um, you know, coming up over the next 12 months and, we, we've done quite a bit of virtual uh, as well. Um, we'll keep some virtual. Um, probably yeah. you know, certainly won't do as much. I think we did about 28 virtual events in the last like 12 months. And, you know, it's quite a lot. So maybe next year we'll do yeah. a couple. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. and we'll, we'll be bringing back Sastock in Dublin in October 2022, awesome. uh, which would be great. It'd be great to have you, uh, you know, come and, and, and join us uh, at that event and not speak about micro SaaS, but maybe calm company yeah. or something, something like that. Uh, I'm we'll, there, we'll man. Sure, yeah. If you did, we'll be sure to put you in between some VC, you, you know, other VCs <laughs> that, you, you know, the, the, the so you, you'll, you'll have that flashback. Yeah. 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 You'll have that flashback um, to, to 2016. Um, but yeah, good. So where can people find you online, Tyler? Uh, the best place is probably Twitter for me personally. So it's just my name. I'm at Tyler Tringus. Uh, and they can learn more about the Calm Company Fund at calmfund.com, C-A-L-M-F-U-N-D. Uh, Amazing. We've got how, many, how, how many tweets do you do a day? <laughs> a few. Uh, depends. It's it's more when the moment strikes, you know, but uh, I'm pretty active there, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's one one channel where I certainly need to be more more active and, and get that kind of daily posting uh, going because it, it obviously seems that, you know, Huge amounts of our, our community uh, are there, but uh, uh, certainly a, a channel that I, I probably uh, I could improve in. But uh, I, it, it does seem that you know a lot of people are there, and you know if you get that right, you know from a content creation uh, standpoint, it can be very effective. It is, yeah. I mean, I often say I don't think the first fund of earnest capital would have existed without Twitter. I think we probably raised sixty percent of the fund uh, through Twitter, and this is this oh. is pre COVID, so it's not. Not that we had to do it that way. It's just that yeah. those were the channels that they created it. And still, I would say, you know, a third of all of our um, opportunities to invest in entrepreneurs comes via Twitter as well. So it's super valuable and definitely recommend getting involved. 
Amazing. Good stuff. Well, Tyler, it's been great speaking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time, you know, share these insights with the SaaS.com community on the SaaS Revolution show. Uh, it's been great speaking to you. Um, you know, hopefully we'll meet in person, maybe in Dublin uh, kind of next year. But uh, yeah. Great speaking, to, yeah, great speaking to you and uh, all the best with the event uh, next month. Yeah, likewise. This was super fun. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS Doc conferences around the world.